Hello everybody and welcome. Today is February 27th, 2021, and today is a big day in Nintendo history. We are covering Pokemon's 25th anniversary and we brought a special guest with us today. I'm one of your co-hosts, Garrett. I'm Ben. And you're listening to Out of Mana. All right, Ben, Pokemon Day. Hey, it's February 27th, and it is Pokemon Day. We got some big news about some Pokemon games coming up, which uh, is very exciting news for anyone who's a fan of Pokemon, obviously. And even, you know, to be honest, as someone who doesn't play Pokemon games, I still get excited about this news. As filthy casuals, it is exciting news still, because it sounds, it, it's some really cool stuff. I think we're all collectively pretty excited about this. Yeah, because, I mean... I grew up on Pokemon, which Me is too. which is funny because I didn't actually play any of the the games, but I was someone who was obsessed with the TV show. I had like every VHS. You uh, did? Yeah. You had the VHS tapes too? Yeah, I had all the VHS. Your parents bought you VHS tapes. Yep. I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I I had all the VHS tapes and I I feel like that's a truth statement because I, yes, and they were the whole wall of them. Yep. And remember like they would in in between the episodes when the commercial break was supposed to happen. Who's that Pokemon? Exactly. Yep. And we watched those constantly, uh, dude. And I remember like the the intro, and then they have the Pokemon rap. Yep. Oh my god. Did yes. you ever memorize it when you were a oh, kid? Oh, dude, dude. But before we get too far into this Pokemon thing, we, <laughs> we need to mention the fact that we have our guest. Yeah, we brought a very special guest and literal resident Pokemon. A literal fan. resident Pokemon fan because he is resident in my house. He shares the house with me. It is our friend Eric. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. Thanks for joining us. Um, so yeah, Nintendo made two big announcements, so we're just going to let you take the honors of letting us know what happened. Just go right into it, Eric. Go full on. Well, the first game announced, which was the biggest announcement, in my opinion, was the remakes of Diamond and Pearl, which are Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. These are remakes that people have been hoping for and waiting for for a very long time now. And I think the reason why they did it is simply because fans expected these games to come. They've been expecting them for years now. And personally, I'm really looking forward to it. My only gripe would be that when I saw the trailer, the visuals of the game didn't really seem what what I was hoping for or expecting. Um, the overworld especially seemed very bland and not very... It, it was basically a one-to-one remake of the original DS games. So... They're not very shining or brilliant, in your opinion. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> say, I wouldn't say that. No, they're not. <laughs> so, Damn. Um, and they were only being made because fans wanted them, not because the companies actually legitimately wanted to remake them. Um, that's more speculation on my part. Yeah, I, I mean that just sounds sure. depressing. But for, <laughs> these are actually the first remakes that are being made by a third party. Oh, oh, who's making them? I forget the exact name. It's the same company that worked on Pokemon Home, which is basically oh, like Oh, this is that one company that is kind of a little questionable in the sense of their quality, correct? Well, that's a lot of Pokemon. I don't know Pokemon, much about them to say for sure, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know enough about them to say for sure, but I know that this is different from any other remake that they've done before because every remake that preceded this has not only expanded greatly upon the visuals and expanded on the content that the original games had, but they've always been made on the same engine as the core series game. So they've always been mm. part of the core series. 
Whereas this seems more like it's a, a spin-off. This is kind of branching off, and it's it's more of a one-to-one remake of the original games. Yes. With the kind of squashed-down overworld style, almost chibi style, if you say, that only you see your character's normal proportions when you go into battle or conversations. Yes, that's correct. Huh. So what, um, what region does this take place in? Uh, the Sinnoh region, which is based on the island of Hokkaido in northern Japan. Ooh. And uh, what generation is this? Uh, this is Generation 4, based on Diamond and Pearl, which came out in 2006, I believe, in Japan, and 2007 in North America. Oh, of course. Nice, man. You got those facts down. I like yeah. this. No, this, this, is this, our, is, this is why we got this Eric. This is our Nintendo guy. <laughs> so, um, of course, this is very, very important with any Pokemon game. What are the starting Pokemon for each of the versions? So, in... In Generation 4, the starter Pokemon were Turtwig, Chimchar, and Piplup. Okay. Is, is it the same for both of the games? Yes. For okay. both versions, the only version differences you would really see are not only the legendaries you get, like the mascot legendaries, what they call them. Mm-hmm. Those would differ between versions, and then certain Pokemon would be exclusive between the different versions, yeah, but generally, yeah. both versions are identical. Okay, so in any... I mean, I'm kind of like dumb with pokemon stuff so i know almost every like main title game there's always option one and option two do they always have the same starting pokemon yes okay so it's just the pokemon you can find in that world ultimately yes. that has a difference that and, and as for yes. another dumb question like will brilliant have brilliant pokemon and will shining have shining pokemon well, if Shining has Shining Pokemon, that'll definitely be a game that people really want to get. I, I mean, shiny. that's what I'm thinking. Like, we, we love our Shiny Pokemon. So, I mean, is, is this a hidden hint from Nintendo that this is the one to get the Shinies? <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I'm completely bullshitting here, but yes. Side note, um, Eric, didn't you just recently get your first Shiny Pokemon in a certain game? Yeah, yes. it took you a while. Yeah. So, in Pokemon Sword, I had been Shining hunting for months with the shiny charms, my odds should be fairly reasonable. This but was more I, than just months, I feel like. I was I was shiny hunting. It was probably like somewhere between four and 5,000 <laughs> encounters when your odds are about one in 1,000. Oh my god. So he was literally being skipped over many numerous times over a span of almost a year. I wouldn't say it was that long. It was, it was, it was, it was a long, long time because you, long we time. talked about this exact same subject <laughs> on the previous one that we had you as a guest. And yes. that was quite a while ago now. It, it, it feels was quite like a while, ago. yeah. It was quite a while. But I did finally find the shiny pumpkaboo that I was searching for. The for shiny pumpkaboo. What the what the hell is a pumpkaboo? It's it's a very interesting Pokemon because of all the Pokemon, it's the one Pokemon you can find in multiple sizes. Oh, oh so it's, it's like, like a pumpkin where it has exactly, like multiple sizes. Exactly. And, and like is a... it full of seeds and you can like roast them? Well, if they were, I'd... That'd oh very, no, that's animal much. cruelty. Though. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. We only capture Pokemon and, and enslave them in balls to use for well, well, fighting. Well, does that does that also mean that like the Pokemon that's like a set of car keys, like house keys, like <laughs> is, are they enslaved when I have them in my pocket and I'm using them to unlock my my belongings? Poss- I'm curious what they do unlock. And what about the Pokemon that's a either fake or cur- real antique teapot? If I'm using it for tea, is that cruelty? Unless maybe if it enjoys doing that, it might. If not it be. enjoys doing that, that just seems weird. It's, it's, like like, it's, like it's it, life's purpose. Like I'm pouring it. I'm pouring the tea out of it. It's like ah, <laughs> like it's slightly self satisfied. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So back on the topic. Um. So, um, with this game, you mentioned that they're not 
Well, I guess you said you're not quite sure if they're adding anything new, because typically with remakes, they do add new stuff, right? Yes, so the last remakes they did, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which came out in 2014, mm-hmm. they after you beat the main story, there's a whole post-game story. Oh, okay. So they added a completely new like section to the game, basically. Yes, they added a completely new oh, section to cool. the game, a completely new story, and even throughout the main story, they add a lot more backstory to the characters that didn't really get much backstory in the original Ruby and Sapphire games. Um, they definitely made the games a lot... They expanded the map, they expanded the visuals, of course, because it came out like 12, 11 years later after the And originals. these visuals were updated to almost current-gen Pokemon games of the time. Yes, they came out... With Generation 6, and so they were built on the Generation 6 engine, they operated with the same games on the same system, it was a, they were Generation 6 games, basically, they were just remakes of Generation 3. As opposed to the self-proclaimed Shining and Brilliance. Yes, the one, one thing I will say is that it would be very difficult to remake it on the Sword and Shield engine, because... Diamond and Pearl were games that had like a, the tile-based system where you move like up, down, left, right. And, and that would it. have been kind of difficult to translate to a yeah, realistic-looking world. G- Generation 7 stopped the whole tile thing. That was gen- it ended with Generation 6, and with Generation 7, you no longer had like, oh, here's a grass tile, and here's a regular tile, and you move up, down. Oh, and, and there's a Snorlax it. blocking that tile. You can't just <laughs> walk around it. You have to move it. Yes, I mean, trust me, Generation 7 had plenty of roadblocks, like more than any other generation, in my opinion, <laughs> but it didn't have, it wasn't just two axes that you could move on. It, it, it changed that. and um, You can move diagonally. Yes, yeah, so you can move... Well, you could technically do that in Generation wow. 6, but it was still tile-based. But my, my point is is that in, in Generation 8, you wouldn't really be able to convert a game that was that basic in mm-hmm. the map design to an updated thing without drastically changing the map into something completely different. So are, does that mean that you're kind of okay with it then? I'm still looking forward to the game, and I'm still probably going to get it because I had a lot of fond memories playing uh, Pokemon Pearl and Pokemon Violet. As a lot of people have, I'm sure. Yes, and I maybe I'm wrong about the whole added content. Maybe there's a whole trove of content that they're going to add to the game, like new maps, new areas, new Yeah, they're not done announcing everything for it, correct? Oh, absolutely. And the game is coming out late this year, so there's still plenty of time for new stuff to be announced for that game. Cool. Yeah. And the reason I, I, I kind of ask you these questions interview style is because, like I said, there there's a there's a group of, a sizable group of fans who are displeased about the way it looks. Yeah. And they're, they're so, so I'm, you're, you're kind of, I'm kind of getting that questionnaire from you because like you're, you're one of them in a sense. And their criticisms and concerns are completely valid in my opinion. I don't think the games are going to be awful. I'm still looking forward to them, but I don't... I'm not quite sure what to expect at this point. And there's already been memes made about the kind of chibi style too, which have been kind of amusing. And I just, I honestly think Nintendo was not remotely expecting this reaction whatsoever. Yeah. So the thing about Nintendo though, is they also know Pokemon people love Pokemon. They they love shitting on it, but at the end of the day, they are going to like pre-order that shit as soon as it comes out they're like legend of zelda people like they will buy the game again and again and again and again because that's the thing is you you just need your new fix like you play a game for as long as until the next game even if your new fix is a nostalgia fix because you're playing the exact same game just remade and we we all we all grow guilty of that that we're all guilty of that like listen to me with odd world and final fantasy 7 fans basically every i mean give me two murder one remade yeah, we all love our remakes. 
So, okay, uh, is there anything else with those two games that you think is worth talking about before, before we move on to the next one? Um, I don't think there's anything really to mention at this point other than we don't we don't know much about them other than their remakes. They don't look quite as good as we were hoping for because, again, these games have been anticipated for a very long time. People have been really hoping for them. And I guess some people feel let down, but they're still looking forward to it and hoping for not only a game that scratches that nostalgia scratch that nostalgia itch but also provides new content new story new Mm -hmm. things that they Mm -hmm. didn't quite get because diamond and pearl actually to get on a bit of a tangent had a lot of content in it that wasn't available to everyone who played the game especially with the you know the bonus mythical pokemon the pokemon that could only be reached through certain events Ah. there were events programmed into those games where you could get those pokemon but they were never made available to the public interesting so I, my hope is that with these re, with these remakes, those same events will be in the game. They remedy that. Yeah, they remedy it so that you can actually participate in them and get these certain Pokemon. Very interesting. Okay, that's a cool little fun fact right yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, completely. That's why we got you here, man. I, I like love this inside scoop. This is some <laughs> this is some good scooping for sure. <laughs> and so yeah, so th- you mentioned that this is uh, the first game. The, uh, a remake of a game that's made by a third party, right? Yes. The, the Game Freak is working with development, obviously, but it is being made by a third party. And is Game Freak always the person who's making the Pokemon games through Nintendo? Yes. Every single core series game has been made by Game Freak, Every, even including the remakes. So, since since when? Like, since, the beginning of time? Since the beginning of time. The very first game remakes that were made were Fire Red and Leaf Green, which came out in 2004... They were remakes of the original games, red and well, they were red and blue in the U.S. and in Japan they were red and green. So when they were when the remake time came around, it was fire red and leaf green. Oh, uh, okay, of course, that, of course, yeah. that makes sense because I was um, uh, I was on Twitter and uh, someone had mentioned something about like red and green, and they're like, "What are you talking about? It was red and blue. You don't even know Pokemon stuff." So it's because it, of the Japan releases, red and green were the originals, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Po- pocket Monsters loves to trip people I up. I know, pocket those Pocket Monsters. Okay, cool. That's very interesting. Um, okay, so Eric, what is the second big news? So the biggest reveal, and which I'm still looking forward to this, but in my opinion, it's not something that I was anticipating this, quite This as one's much really cool. Is Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is the first open world Pokemon game. Ooh. This one is really cool. I gotta say, as someone who doesn't hasn't played Pokemon games in like a decade and more, I, I'm actually excited for this one because this one had like the Breath of the Wild like flow past the character's shoulder. There's the world, and you're like, what? I mean, I it's like every Pokemon player's dream is to have it an is, open world. It's to, just like, like how every in. Harry Potter player's wet dream is to have what's coming out soon and yeah yeah, dude this is awesome so do tell us more so yeah tell us the details let's hear it so what's funny is that with this game this open world game it's set in the same region the Sinnoh region that diamond and pearl are set in okay the only difference is this game takes place during what is presumed to be the feudal era it's very similar to feudal japan um you start out in a small village and it's the story they don't really go into the story much but they imply that it's um it's Set in a time when Pokemon and humans lived somewhat separately. Oh. And uh, basically, you start out as a trainer, you move through the region, and you. So they don't really go into much detail, of course, because the game's not coming out until next year. But 
I guess the the whole point of the game is to try and solve this mystery, this legend, while also trying to expand the Pokédex and to try and bring Pokémon and humans together. Is your Pokédex like like a scroll that you have to like write in with like, <laughs> like, like ink? Um, maybe I have your, absolutely your no idea what to expect, but it's or you have to like roll out papyrus and like, d- like d- make d- it. Despite being set in ancient times, it basically is the same exact mechanics as you'd expect in a modern Pokémon. So, game. what about the Pokéball? I mean, I, th- I think this has already been ad- addressed in some other media, but what is the Pokeball for Feudal Era? Yeah, didn't Professor region? Oak make the Pokeball? So I think I saw some artwork of the primitive Pokeballs that they is used. Is it back like then. an acorn? It's, it's So in Generation 2, they introduced these things called Apricorns, which is. That's it. That's oh my god, it. it literally is. Okay, the, I thought you were making a joke the, there. <laughs> that are like, they use them to create Pokeballs from. And apparently these were used way, way, way back when. So even when modern technology didn't exist, you could still capture Pokemon using these apricots. So they're like giant nuts, and you capture Pokemon inside yes. of them. Yes. Do they glow and like make that and suck them in? Um, I'm curious to see if they do that because we don't <laughs> actually get to see much of the ancient Pokeballs. Like, like what? What is in a Pokeball? Is it just like I, I'm, this is? I'm sorry. This is something that I a prison Ben. This it's is something prison. that I've never really learned, and I feel like I should learn by now because I watched the series. I've seen a lot of Pokemon media, and I've absolved. I, what is in a Pokeball? Like, when it takes the Pokemon, does it break them down on, like, a molecular level and make them to goo, and then store them in that goo inside the ball, and then spray them back out when it wants to? It's, it's definitely an aspect of Pokemon lore that people... They, they really, really haven't gone into They kind of gloss detail, over but, it. Yeah. So, what would the Apricorn one do? Would it just, like, rip them into, like, a void, into, like, another dimension, and then spit... I mean, is it is it, like, Inuyasha? Like, is it... What's gonna happen? I'm honestly, I'm really interested to see how they do it, because this is the first time I've ever focused on a Pokemon, you know, a time period long before the modern era. You know, it's always it's always been mentioned in Pokemon, like in myths, like every generation has their own myths, and they talk about like, oh, in these ancient times when humans and Pokemon did this and that. And what's really special is that Generation 4, in the, re- the whole Sinnoh region, is probably the most lore-heavy region of all of them. It's... Mm. Uh, the legendaries in that game all have their own specific lore, and they all have a lore that is interconnected, meaning they all relate to one another, whereas in previous generations, the legendaries and the mythos didn't really react, have much yeah, interaction. Yeah. Uh, Generation 4 goes pretty far in depth, and in fact, um, there's a city in the Sinner region, I'm trying to remember, ex- oh, um, Canalave. It's called the Canalave Library, and you can read, in the Canalave Kinalave Library, you can read about the different um, myths and legends, and they go into detail about how Pokemons and humans lived back then in the Sinnoh region. And what they describe in those books from way, way back in the game when they first when the game first came out on the DS is kind of similar to what we're seeing in uh, this new open world game. Cool. So it's actually being quite faithful to the lore, more or less. Wow. I'm actually, as you're explaining this, I'm surprised that they're being that detailed because so, i feel like pokemon games don't i mean this is someone who doesn't play them but yeah. i just feel like a pokemon game is a pokemon game and yeah. so the fact that they're exploring this new like time period of like the origin of kind of pokemon maybe not the origin but like the like you said the origin of like them living in harmony not so separate so to interject here when you said not to say the origin it actually literally is the origin, I think, because oh. the game is, you know, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and in Pokemon lore, 
Arceus is the creator deity of Pokemon. Is he Arceus created... the one that oh. looks like like a lion? He's all like... Rrr, rrr, rrr. He looks he looks no, more like Articuno. a weird alpaca or llama with like a wheel around him. But basically oh, he's the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. He created the universe in Pokemon. He created the Pokemon universe. not just So Pokemon he didn't create himself. the human universe. He created the Pokemon universe. So there's like a human version of him? No, I don't think it works that w- way. Wait, wait. So he's God. He is God, yes. He is God. So in human churches, like he's... On the wall, like like humans worship a Pokemon. In there is a church in uh, the Sinnoh region where they don't specifically mention Arceus, but there is a religion, you know. So humans the... tame gods. So humans are like taming <laughs> gods. It is because it is, it, it, it is just the creator of all life. It is quite funny because it's possible to capture Arceus to capture the creator. <laughs> you and capture you God. Can capture God. You literally capture God. Yes. What well, you can in in the game, you can capture God. Well, because he's can, can you then create whatever you want? Like, can you just I go mean, all he out? He is your prisoner at that point. Well, like, does this become Bruce Almighty? So, in the original DS games, again, because there was a lot of content that was missing, that was one of the ones that was missing was the ability to capture, capture God. Arceus. To capture yes. God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it is feasible, yes, to capture Arceus and then you capture God. Oh my god, that is oh my god, I love this so much. This is so interesting. That is that is pretty damn interesting, dude. Um so on another on just like uh, go going back to more normal notes that other than god of Pokémon and all creation. Um this this new game will only have generation 4 Pokémon in it. Um yes and no. So with each subsequent generation they usually include Pokemon from previous generations, but nothing really past it. Well, obviously not only Generation 4, but I mean everything up until Generation 4. Pretty so, much. So this isn't... Because this is its own game. This is not a remake of an older game. This mm. is its own so game, So it's yes. only... Do you think it's only going to include up to Generation 4? I think so, yes. Especially since in the Sinnoh region, you don't really see... The, the Sinnoh Pokedex was slightly limited in the the kinds of Pokemon you could see. Mm-hmm. But from what we saw in the trailer, there were Pokemon from previous generations. And in fact, Sinnoh... Well, in Generation 4, the Pokemon introduced in Generation 4, a lot of them were either pre-evolutions or evolutions of Pokemon that had been introduced in previous generations. So it would be mm-hmm. pretty impossible to only include the Generation 4 without including the previous ones because there's... You would have Pokemon that evolve from something that would not exist in that region. So okay, yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Okay, so I sounds amazing, but I I gotta like get the elephant in the room here. Uh, the visuals, at, at, as I was excited about this game, but looking at what they're showing, I'm looking at a game that's being released in 2022 on a fairly powerful system. And this game looks like it's running at 15 frames per second. I mean, I, I've seen like better looking games made six, seven years ago. So, like Pokemon games. What, what Garrett's basically saying is that it looks worse than Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild, which is which has come out years ago. It looks worse than it looks Sword worse and than, Shield. It looks worse than Sword and Shield, and it looks worse than the free mobile game. What's what's it called? Oh, like Genshin Impact. Genshin yeah. Impact, which which we mentioned because it's a very similar looking style game to. Switch games. Yeah, it's very pretty. People were even being like, the joke was, is, uh, oh my god, it's it's like Breath of the Wild. It's like any game that has like green grass is like it's a Breath of the any Wild. Any game that has green grass and a character standing upon said green grass <laughs> is now Breath of the Wild. So this is being made by Game Freak, right? Uh, yes, I do believe so. They're Game Freak house, yes. Oh my god. So why do they get away with this? Is this a case where 
they know people are going to buy their games no matter what? Or do you think this is like a legitimate lack of talent on the team? Lack of talent, damn. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Like, what's the excuse here? Well, but the excuse could also be the Switch is an older console now. The Switch is kind of at the end of its Okay, but we era. can also run like The Witcher 3 on the Switch. We you can are also run many third Completely games. correct, but like what if... I'm not. I'm not even trying to justify it, but like no, I know. But even, but it, it does. So so when I mentioned that we had the similar scene as Breath of the Wild, where you passed over the character's shoulder and looked at the world, it looked worse. The world did look worse than what we saw in Breath of the Wild. Well, even the combat, I was like, yeah, it was like stuttering. Like it just looked crappy. So, like it looked like something I wouldn't want to play. But we also haven't had any confirmation, nor you know, not confirmation of. Mm-hmm the switch pro so is that going if that happens will this this game be on it and will it be better on it yeah so basically there's been no evidence of any new console coming i mean what, what about i mean eric like being our our guy here who's who knows about this like what do you think about the switch pro as of now um, to be perfectly honest, and this is my opinion, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I don't think the Switch Pro is actually going to be a thing, mostly because, again, we're almost four years now into the Switch's run. Mm-hmm. If they're going to have an updated model of the Switch without being a next-gen console, I think it would have come out by now. And and that's, the, that's kind of what I was saying, is the Switch is an old console, it's kind of at the end of its generation. But Nintendo it's... tends to release consoles, like you said, four years and what what when what was the give us some separation of years between consoles for for Nintendo? For Nintendo, it's usually five to six years between consoles. Um, from the Wii came out in two thousand six, uh, Wii U came out in twenty twelve, so that's a six year gap. And then from Wii U to Switch, it was five years. Okay, but here's here's my defense. Wii was great, but then they came out with the Wii U, and guess what? No one bought that crap. True. They, they tried too hard True. to make a Wii version 2. Now, the Switch is, like, one of the most incredibly smart... Incredibly popular as well. Incredibly popular, super smart. It's a handheld, which can also be a console. I, I just don't see where they can go from here to lose that perfect... No- I, I mean, it's like they found the perfect thing. Well, you buy... A, the next one is going to be, like, a nail you buy, and you just hammer it into your skull, and you start injecting, like, the, the cartridges into your head. <laughs> So this is what I know. Nintendo is very big on innovation. Innovation, yeah. But okay, so they've done really well on different handhelds. They've done really well on different consoles. Now they have one that can be both. They are basically the pioneers in those markets. Why would they change like the perfect device other than make it stronger and more innovative? So I just don't see. And the Switch is like. Perfect name. They they nailed the name on the Switch. I and, think it's and the awesome. thing is, is like I I agree with you, Garrett. Like I perfectly agree that the Switch is kind of the apex of its kind right now. So it's like the Nintendo, the perfect Nintendo machine at this point. So obviously, Nintendo will figure something else out eventually because that's Nintendo. Yeah. But I agree. Like the Switch Pro is a is a move that I would be okay with. Like I've bought a, I have a Switch. I don't really want to get a new one, but. I wouldn't mind if I if that meant better, bigger games. And I know a ton of people that own next generation consoles, and there's games that they just prefer to play on the Switch because they just want to be able to be on the train. True. They want to be well back when COVID didn't exist. Um, you know, yeah, what's be, a train? be on a 
plane, an automobile, not, hopefully not an automobile. An automobile, my Stanley steamer. <laughs> but like they can, they can go play like Doom in their bed. You know what I mean? I love playing Doom in my bed. I, I, I actually it. don't even know if Doom's on there. I love, I'm pretty sure it is. I just love being in bed playing Doom. <laughs> but like, there's certain games where you're just like, this is a great indie title, which would look better on my PlayStation Five. But like, man, it it's hard to beat just lounging on my couch, couch in a little ball. Like cuddled up under a blanket with the hot chocolate next to me. <laughs> okay, I, you know what I mean. I don't think I've ever done that, but that sounds awfully wow, nice. You're actually. missing out with a yes. crackling fire during the winter. With a crackling, yes, I'll just have to go to my lodge, like a cat purring next to my you. Tahoe Lodge. And what am I doing staying in this small house here? I'm not some kind of popper. I should be in my mansion. Why am I here? My point is, and also. I'm pretty sure that it was about the same amount of time between the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 4 Pro. Because the, PS, the PS4 was around for, like, God, eight, nine years. I mean, the, the main reason the to mention through. this, though, is that PlayStation and Xbox are kind of doing their own thing right now. Mm-hmm. And we're just not sure if Nintendo's going to join that train. Well, Nintendo's always been doing its own thing, yeah. which is what makes it different. So, so what do you think, Eric? I mean, do you really think that the Pro is just not going to happen? I mean, it could... I personally don't think a Pro, because there was no Wii U Pro. There was no... There were different models. There there shouldn't have even been a Wii U, The Wii U was like the Pro version of a Wii. Exactly. It was a next-gen console. So I think if there is going to be a, quote, Switch Pro, it's not just going to be an updated Switch. It's going to be an entirely new console. But that would, like, defeat the purpose of it being handheld. Like, they can't make it that much bigger or people aren't going to want to carry it around. True. Or smaller, to be honest. It's like the perfect size. I would really like... My Switch to be the same size as the new Xbox, like or the PS5, that, or the PS5. I want to be holding something the size of a small, of, of actually a large infant, <laughs> and I'd, I'd probably have to wrap it in blankets just in case if I drop it. And yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I, I get, I honestly get what you're saying, Eric. And you know what? You're probably going to be the right one because Nintendo just yeah, does whatever the yeah. hell they want. They they always come from like stage left and just hit you in the side of something you were not expecting. Yeah, none of us were expecting the Switch. The Switch was like the pleasant surprise of the century when we got there. We were like, whoa, yes, what? We didn't even know we wanted this. Yeah, they were very, very smart. Because everyone was tired to hell and beyond of the Wii. And, and so the getting the Switch was, yeah. it, it It brought us back to Nintendo. And they can use this device to bring back all the games on Wii U that no one played. What, what are, like I mean, do you, do you have any thoughts, Eric, on kind of what they might do? I think personally it's going to be a while before we see any news about a new console. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the Switch is doing so well and it's still going very strong. Exactly. Um, there's still games co- that have yet to come out. Um, Metroid Prime 4. Um, oh my Breath God, of the Wild 2. These are games which are highly anticipated and are we know they're coming for the Switch. Launch titles for the Switch Pro. I mean, come on. a new Bayonetta and new Metroid. Yes. In new Splatoon. Oh, wait, we're getting that. Oh, yeah, we're getting that with our upside-down Eiffel Tower, yeah. (laughs) Blasting gender concepts. But, um, okay, so back to Pokemon. Uh, Does this bother you, the the whole frame rate issues, the visuals, or are you just going to be happy to play this game? Honestly, personally, I'd just be happy to play it regardless. And and that is what Game Freak freaking banks on, man. They're like, they don't care. 
We're going to put our interns on this. Are I'm you going to get I'm the next mean. Legend of Zelda game? Yes. And I will get the next one and the next one, even if they re-release it over and over. I'm being mean. I'm sure there's very talented people there. And Nintendo has its own formula for doing what it wants. Every game company does this, though. They bank on nostalgia and they bank on fans. I just don't... It just feels like a slap in the face. You know, and maybe that was just really bad, like early concept. So it just wasn't optimized and it was just running poorly, um, which would make sense. Honestly, I, I know I'm shitting on this and I normally don't shit on things. So this is like, this is normally my job. And I know. I'm just, I'm literally sitting back in my chair watching Garrett do this right now because <laughs> I, normally I'm, I'm in that spot. I mean, I, I will stop talking about it now, but um, any other things about this game that you want to, you want to wrap up? Um, there's nothing really that stands out to me other than just the fact that it looks, I mean, in terms of frame rate issues and graphics, it definitely could use some improvement, but in terms of an actual open world Pokemon game and the mechanics, it actually looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, games, it's not about visuals. It's about the gameplay and that Pokemon fans, as you've told me many, many times before, we don't really care how it looks as long as it's fun to play. I mean, and Garrett, just remember, some of the best experiences we had playing games were playing Tibia. Yeah, that, that the, is Tibia great. literally looks like dogs just smeared on a screen, and we enjoyed the hell out of that. It is very, very true. I That is very true. I can't deny you. <laughs> so, we're not done there. We'll, we, I'd love to hear some more about other Nintendo bits that are coming out, other little juicy bits. Anything else Nintendo mentioned isn't releasing? So, aside from the Direct earlier this month, Nintendo has been pretty much radio silent on their big projects, so there's not that much that I can really speculate on or talk about. Um, the biggest one that I've been waiting for, aside from Pokemon titles, would be Breath of the Wild 2, mm -hmm. which was announced almost two years ago, and so far we have heard absolutely nothing more about it. Um... But Breath of the Wild has honestly been one of my favorite games that I've ever played, period. It is an amazing game, and I'm really hoping that with the sequel, they not only add a bunch of new content, but there was a lot of stuff that they wanted to put into Breath of the Wild that they were not able to, even with the DLC packs. They just couldn't fit it all into the game, so I'm willing to bet that with the sequel, they're going to fit in a bunch of stuff that they couldn't put in the first game. Well, and we see in the sequels... Like, what we have seen of the sequel, the Hyrule Castle is floating. Yes. So, would you think there will be more things in the air, literally? Um, possibly. Maybe a, a sky area, because... That would be cool. Um, There have been sky levels and sky areas in previous Zelda games. Right now, the only first thing that comes to mind is the uh, Sky City from... Um, Twilight Princess. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That, that was a definitely a fun uh, level to do, a fun dungeon. And I'd be curious to see if, if there is a sky level in Breath of the Wild 2, if it has any similarities at all to the sky area in Twilight Princess. And on, on another note of things that haven't been in Nintendo and the Zelda games for quite a while, what about the Minish? Are we gonna, do you think we'll see them in Breath of the Wild at all? Oh, I think that's highly likely, actually, because... Breath of the Wild was going to have something like the Minish in it. Yeah, in I fact, think I heard about that, yeah. They have screenshots, actually, of the finished content. The uh, tiny houses and Link being able to shrink down and enter the tiny homes. But they ended up not putting that into the main series of the game. Or not into the uh, not, not into the Breath of the Wild, the first game. But I had, think because they weren't able to put it in the original game, it will more, most likely end up in the sequel. They had obviously planned for it to be in there, and... To be honest, like, Minish Cap, it's not a game a lot of people played. 
But it, it, it was actually very fun. It definitely was one of those Zelda games that really flew under people's radar. Well, mainly because it was for the Game Boy Advance at the very end of the Game Boy Advance's run. So, But it, it gave a very cool idea to the Zelda world where an environment could become something completely different if you just look at it from a different size. And that was that was a cool concept. Yeah, and it was it, a very cool And it concept. allowed a lot of exp- exploration to places that you might not normally think to explore. So my theory, and, well, I, I didn't make it up. I heard someone else talk about it, but... Oh, well, um, plagiarism. <laughs> so in Breath of the Wild 2, they think that it may be a situation where they... They reuse the the map because it's it's Hyrule, right? Yes, like, it is it's the Hyrule. Same Hyrule from Breath of the Wild. So, yes. I mean, I know the Zelda reach, like, like geographically, isn't much more than Hyrule, right? Yeah. You're pretty much always in Hyrule. There have been a few Zelda games that take place outside of Hyrule, um, like, like the Dream, yeah, okay, Majora's Mask. Those are games that don't take place in Hyrule. But, yeah. yeah. So, I, I just. I feel like they would have to reuse Hyrule in some situation. And so the theory is possibly that it may be a dark world setting. I think that's possible. I think what will most likely happen is rather than a reverse world or a dark world, like what uh, Link Between Worlds did, mm-hmm. um, it will simply be an expanded Hyrule with new areas that you can access before. And that's kind of why I mentioned the flying areas, like floating areas, because mm-hmm. maybe there is land above. That would make sense, too, yeah. I like both of these ideas. I, I especially like the floating idea because that was one of my coolest experiences in Terraria was when I got to go to the floating islands. I thought that was really cool. I totally forgot about that, I, yeah. I really enjoyed that little part of the game because it was just like, it was like, whoa, there's stuff up here and it's so cool. And there's a room made of gold. Like, it was cool. Yeah, you spend like 99% of the game digging deeper down. And there's stuff above. Like, it's... I, I've always liked the idea of floating things. And mm-hmm. so... Mario when, had that kind of stuff, too. When I saw Hyrule Castle floating, I was like, Ooh, I hope there's gonna be stuff up. Yes! Mm-hmm. Another thing is, uh, the original Breath of the Wild, one of the few criticisms aimed at the game is that there was large areas of land with absolutely nothing in it. Just, mm. you know, massive mountains you could explore, and maybe there were, like, a few treasures or cool enemies you could defeat, but that was pretty much it. In terms of, you know, things you could find in the world. But this massive, massive, massive world that you could explore. There was very little in it to do aside from shrines. And wasn't there like no dungeons? There were only four dungeons and they were all pretty much identical to each other. The shrines were basically the dungeons. And they are just puzzle dungeons. I mean, Legend of Zelda dungeons are all puzzle dungeons. But these were just repetitive. After five to ten dungeons, you've kind of done them all. And that's a, I mean, that's like a big staple of... Legend of Zelda games is their dungeons, right? That's what you remember them by. Yes, and hearkening back all the way to, you know, the original Zelda games, you know, what comes to mind is Ocarina of Time back in 1998. It had five, actually including the... It had eight dungeons, and each one was unique in terms of atmosphere, in terms of the enemies you could fight, the bosses. Each dungeon was very unique. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, there are only four main dungeons or temples, whatever you want to call them, and they were all pretty much identical to each other. Interesting. So while Breath of the Wild obviously had a lot more space and a lot more content, in terms of the dungeons you had to do in the story, they were a little a little too repetitive in my opinion. So I'm hoping that with the sequel, the dungeons are more like actual dungeons, like deep caves or areas you can explore, these, you know, ruined temples... And each one being very, very unique with unique enemies, unique puzzles, unique bosses, 
each one being very different from each other with their own music and everything. Because, you know, people, when you talk about Ocarina of Time, most people want to ask you, oh, what was your favorite temple? Because each one was so unique that you could have a favorite. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, you can't really pick a favorite because they're all the same. Everyone's favorite was the water temple for sure. Oh yeah, the water temple definitely. Having to, you know, press start over and over again to take off the iron boots, put them back on, take off the iron boots, put them back on. That completely was... God, delightful. I hate that kind of crap. Delightful. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. That's the kind of stuff that made me just not like Zelda games where I have to like... I really appreciate them from afar. Like I have, as far as speed runs go, I have watched more Legend of Zelda speed runs than any other ones. Because I like the world. I love the world of Hyrule and Link and everything. But, like, actually playing them, I like. I haven't played Breath of the Wild, and people keep saying it's one of the best games ever made ever. Which, I will play it. Uh, Eric, do you have a physical copy? I do, yes. Do you, Ben? I also do. Okay, so I'm going to steal or borrow one of yours, whether or not you accept. So Whether or just, not we just, accept. Just, I'll wait till you sleep. I'll sneak in. I will scream. <laughs> so... But, but Garrett, honestly, you and plenty of other people feel that way. I know. Legend of Zelda is one of those series that is beloved many by many people, even those who haven't really played a lot of it, because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a hard thing to get into. And didn't it just recently have its 35th anniversary? Uh, yes. Like, just be- right before... Was it right before or right after Pokemon? Uh, it's going to be after Pokemon, I think, because I think it's later this year. Oh, I thought it already happened. Yeah, I think people, I, oh it was Mario that happened earlier this year. Yeah, Mario. Everyone's was, having their yeah, anniversary. Mario's the thirty five, and yeah. then Zelda was a year after Mario's. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So so we have the Squadala anniversary, and now we've and then we had the Paisanos anniversary. Great well, stuff. This is all exciting stuff. Um, Eric, thank you so much for your expertise on Nintendo. Uh, we will definitely have you back when more Nintendo news pops up. If more Nintendo news pops up, it will. Or if you play a game that's on Nintendo and we can talk about it. You yeah. Know, hey, hey ex- you're, expand. You're always welcome on the show as long as you finish Nathan Drake, uh, Uncharted. Maybe. <laughs> well, let's just hope that Eric does. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to leave it at that for Nintendo Talk for today. Um, I think that's a pretty good stopper. We've definitely covered the subject thoroughly. So, Ben, where can the good people find us on social media? First and foremost, my favorite is always YouTube. We are out of mana on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And you can also email us. Again, another second favorite of mine is podoutofmana at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at podoutofmana. For the more current people. Yes. uh, We're on Twitter the most. That's definitely our most active platform. And we would love to have some interaction there. Definitely. If you want to hear my bullshitting, definitely go there. Yeah. Ben is mostly the one in control of Twitter right now. Um, I've been trying to do Instagram, but I've, I've been lazy, but... That will change, I promise. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again for joining us on this Nintendo Day. I hope you had fun, and I hope you're excited for the new Pokemon games. And we will catch you on the flip side.